0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, thank you for attending. And now without further ado, to answer your questions, we welcome Commissioner Carl Benson.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for attending today's press conference Uh, at a time when there are so many uncertainties facing intercollegiate athletics, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to address some of those issues. Uh, Who's got the first question? i got a question. Uh, Trent Cram from The Independent. (laughs) Really? Trent Krim from The Independent, are you kidding me? What's your question? Well, well what makes you qualified to be a commissioner? And alive. That's the best thing you can have at a time when, when we've got all these issues facing us, and that's the best question you have? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. And really, who, who let this guy in?
2: Big League spring training may not be starting on time, but for the first time in three years, a normal college baseball season is about to begin. This week on Knutson and the Commission, Carl and I are joined by the recently retired commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, Jeff Hurd, who spent the last decade at the helm of the Group of Five Conference. Being big baseball fans, Jeff and Carl were there to see a pair of whack teams win the College World Series. Given the changing landscape of college sports, will a school from a non-Power Five Conference ever do that again? Or is college baseball in danger of shrinking under the weight of economic pressures? It's better Up on this week's episode, and it's next right here on Knutson and the Commission. Stay with us. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USA Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Well, I wouldn't know by looking outside, but it's baseball season. Um, the schools have not locked out their baseball players. They're actually going to continue to play. And um, that's, that gets kicked off this weekend. And our guest this week used to think highly of my broadcasting skills. He used to let me come and do the, the whack tournament. And I, then I got cut off at the knees. I guess I I didn't pass the audition or something. I don't know. Jeff heard the former commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference and and your, your longtime colleague and friend joins us to make this another edition of Knutson and the Commishes.
1: Well, yeah, you know, the, uh, the last one we had with, with Craig Thompson, uh, uh went so well, we yes thought we would, we would add, uh, add you and we could really kind of cover, cover all bases in terms of you know, at least the last 25 plus years, mm-hmm. but your, your time, your time in the WAC preceded both me and Craig by about 10 years or so. And, uh, You've taken those cleats off and and hung them up in the garage, and and you are now uh, a former WAC commissioner, one of five, I believe. But oh. once a commissioner, always. A oh, commissioner. On
2: this program, absolutely, that's the way it is.
1: That's that's not even yep. this program, Mark. I mean. <laughs> you have earned. You have earned probably more than anybody that title of commissioner, Jeff, and and I couldn't be more proud of the fact that uh, that I was privileged to work with you for eighteen years uh, at the WAC, and then for you to have succeeded me. Uh, uh, and we think about you know Joe Kearney, and I succeeded him, and Joe hired you. It, it was a remarkable time for for us in the WAC, and and yet now a new era has has arrived and uh you and i are, are living here in colorado and we we're gonna have coffee once a month and once the weather gets a little bit better we're gonna hit the golf courses but in the meantime you know i think that uh, mark today you know i think we want to test uh, jeff's baseball yes history skills a little bit uh during his time at the WAC he did have an opportunity to play a role significant role in the ncaa uh college world series and uh, went to Omaha many, many times. I was fortunate enough to go to Omaha, uh, you know, a handful of times with WAC teams, including two national champions. That's right. Uh, 2008 Fresno State uh, beat uh, Georgia. And in uh, 2003 Stan- uh, Rice, then a member of the of the WAC, beat, beat Stanford. So I was on the field. Both of those games, however, were both – or both of those championships were at the old Rosenblatt Stadium. I have yet to be at uh, – at the new stadium in, in downtown.
2: Well Jeff, I gotta imagine being in any stadium right now would be would be good for you and your family.
0: Uh, yeah, it certainly would, especially if I was on an inside box right now. No, anyway, it's you know, Carl brought up the, you know, the 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 history. I've got a uh, talking about an old college world series in Omaha, new stadium, old stadium. I have a a brick. <laughs> I wow. have a brick from the old stadium in my house that I I got when they tore it down and uh I got a lot of great memories of Omaha and the College World series. What a great event and then and the new stadium Carl you you'd love it it's just uh, right uh, right off right off of downtown Omaha and it's a just an ideal place to watch a ball game
2: both of them were actually Rosenblatt, too was in the same kind of thing right right there above the Missouri River with the zoo right there and it was a great setting as well but yeah the new one is a significantly upgrade at least aesthetically and, and all that and seating wise it's a great great facility and it's a great event and I think Carl you pointed out to me before that the College
1: World Series is the second best money maker for the NCAA. Well, in terms of, of revenue generation and yeah. uh, you think about the the longevity, the, you know, first of all, you have, you know, the first and second rounds and the regionals at sites that, that are very, very successful college baseball. So, I mean, they're generating, you know, revenue, you know, leading up to Omaha by, you know, a couple of weeks and, and a lot of different venues. And then you get to Omaha and it's, you know, it's a two week, uh, you know, celebration of college mm-hmm. baseball and, and the, you know, it's become that. You know that that place to be. I mean, there are there are fans who have not missed a college World Series mm-hmm. in thirty plus years that that don't live anywhere near Omaha and have never had a team you know in Omaha to root for. So right. I mean, it's really created a a following, a and a really a cool you know cool time. And I know I know Jeff uh, had an opportunity to take some of his kids to to Omaha for the college World Series and. You know, I was able to take uh, my daughter Jessica a couple different times as well. So it uh, it's it's uh, it's it's been a big part of our uh, both of our families.
0: No question really, uh, I have fond memories. Always will have them, Carl, and, and all of us have some you know a lot of baseball in our backgrounds. And it's one of the things, you know, quite honestly, from my standpoint, uh, to me that was a bigger event than even the Final Four in terms of enjoyable an enjoyable event and what I enjoyed watching. It may sound a little bit odd to some people, but I I really do. I think it's just one of those classic times and classic events that it's you can't go
2: without. I'm a little bit worried about the future college baseball, Jeff. And that's why I wanted to have you on because you're fresh out of, out of this and understand you went through the pandemic and all that. I'll just use Carl's alma mater as an example. Boise state brought baseball back. Carl was, you were there, weren't you for the first series, Carl uh, against Northern Colorado. It was
1: coming. It was yeah. coming up on two years ago. Yeah. 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 Uh, first yeah. weekend in March, yeah. they were, they brought it back after 40 years. And, uh, and it
2: looked like a, it looked like a massive success story, right? It looked like it, it was awesome. They were going to build a new stadium and all that. And then COVID hit and the revenue dried up and baseball got the ax. And it seems to me, a lot of baseball programs, Bowling Green, a lot of them got the ax. Um, it seems to me that because baseball, I think you guys correct me if I'm wrong, is the most expensive of the non-revenue sports to put a team on the field, travel, number of roster, roster spots, etc. cetera. It's the first one to get chopped if when the going gets tough. And the going is tough. Let's just be honest. It's hard. And, and I, I just see this proliferation of club teams, which aren't necessarily a bad thing um, because some of them are very, very good. My alma mater, Colorado State, has a very good club program. I've been, I've been successful on the national level. I just I see the trend go in that direction. I see schools saying, okay, like Stanford, cut back all those sports, not baseball, but cut them all, a lot of sports. And in that long letter said, oh, by the way, you're welcome to come back as a club sport. You, we're, not, we're not paying out, you know, paying out scholarships anymore, but you can pay us if you want to play with our, under our banner. I think that's going to grow. I think there's going to be more of that. Am I
0: crying wolf? You know, I, from from my standpoint, Mark, I understand where you're coming from. There, I would like to think, and yes, baseball can be a, and is an expensive sport, yeah. but well, honestly, you know, that's mostly in travel in some cases, but mm-hmm. it's also from a revenue generator. Other than uh, obviously basketball and and football mm-hmm. in many areas, is, is also one of the largest revenue generators. So, I don't have quite the doomsday outlook as as maybe some do on on college baseball, and certainly. There's some concern there, uh, but I tell you what—if you go throughout, especially in the warm weather areas of the country, yeah, in the proliferation of improved facilities. Yes. Um. Uh, well, you know, the Southeast Conference is one end of it, but even in the WAC, uh, New Mexico State has done a, yep. a outstanding job with the improvement in their in its facility. Uh, it's California Baptists in our league, uh, several other the best of the baseball schools, and some of the new Texas schools. Uh, that have come in. I don't see it necessarily going away. Maybe the, is there an adjustment or you know perhaps in some areas, but I think it's more likely in cold, colder weather areas than it is in, in the um, uh, warm and maybe medium weather areas.
2: Carl Boise State, um, as I mentioned, dropped it after one season, one pretty successful season. I got a chance to coach some of those kids in the summertime when the announcement came down that they were letting, letting it go and there was this uprising that there always is. Oh, we'll, we'll, find, we'll find a way to fund it privately. We'll, we'll raise the money. We'll, that, that's pretty much impossible to do in perpetuity. Uh, you can do it maybe for a year but to do it long term it's not going to it's not going to work um there has to be a way for baseball to at least pay for itself in some some fashion as as jeff said some of these programs do make money but not the not most of them
1: do you see baseball but that, but growing you know, mark yeah, mark that's not any different than than the majority of the other sports that are on right. our college campus today in terms of of paying for itself and, and you know there's really only one sport that that ever pays for itself yep. and and that's football and that doesn't even happen at, at the wide majority of you know of of college campuses and again we when we when we put it into the number you know division 1 there's pro, you know, probably 300 players plus uh, Division one baseball playing schools in the in the country, maybe even a little bit more. But then you look at the at the FBS, the 10 you know quote football conferences and Jeff mentioned the SEC you know my time at, at the Sun Belt what what I thought was was just as eye-opening as how popular football is in the SEC and how as the SEC as it matters more mm-hmm. in the SEC. College baseball in the in the South is is a is a fan attraction that you know it does make money. Now, what I'm hearing, and, and Jeff probably has has more information, is that there's a movement right now to accommodate baseball on the scholarship level for you know all the years that it's been, you know, underfunded, underfunded in terms yeah. of not necessarily underfunded, <laughs> but allowed in terms of the number of scholarships. Right. 11.4 and, right now still? Yeah, I think and there, you know, there's a movement by the SEC and as this new NCA constitution, you know, goes forward, the, you know, the Power yeah. 5, you know, may have a an opportunity to alter scholarships. Now, that, hmm. you know, they'll be able to afford it. Right, right. Will the others, you know, will right. the WAC and the and the Sun Belt and those other conferences be able to to afford it and will that result in some of those pretty talented players who were getting partial rides to you know, to a sunbelt or to a wax school Mm. now the sec is going to be able to to scholarship them even more and will the Mm. the talent will the talent level be jeopardized so that you know i mean coastal carolina won the national championship in 2015 right i mentioned fresno state i mentioned you know rice there have been a couple of you know of West Coast or of uh, Big West. You know mm-hmm. from Long Beach, Long Beach to Irvine to, to, to you know those schools oh. that have won national championships. Um,
2: well, Stony Brook made it to Omaha a couple of years ago. Remember? They wow.
1: did, they yeah. did. But it's but it's once it's once you get there, boy, is it hard <laughs> to is it hard yeah. to win? It, so.
2: Yeah, it really is. Let me throw something different at you guys, a little different look at this, because I, I was, yeah, doom and gloom is one way for me to, to look at it, Jeff, but here's another thing to think about. And we're hearing all, obviously, with the lockout in Major League Baseball is the big news, but the owners came forward, the Major League owners came forward yesterday with, with the idea of cutting back the number of minor leaguers that they have to pay, basically. And that translates into cutting down the number of minor league affiliates, which honestly, I think is a good idea. I think baseball would be better off with a smaller minor league system, which in turn could help college baseball, right? Some of those fringe guys that might be late round draft picks that don't have an A or or a low A team to go to might choose college baseball. Is that a way for the college game to get bigger and grow more and become more nationally prevalent before the College World Series?
0: You know, I think uh, you know, know, I've kind of experienced this at both ends of the spectrum, just from a family standpoint. Have two sons who played one at Northern Colorado one mm-hmm. at uh Texas Arlington and and then to Pepperdine in you know two different clearly two different situations in terms of the aid they received right. or did not receive the types of yep. programs that uh, they played at and the competitive levels of their programs so you know I think I think if you're able to uh and, and my older <laughs> son was a 36th round draft choice at that time a draft right. and follow kid who ended up going to college, but um, yeah, can more, you know, can more individuals who are, you know, the late round draft choices decide to go to college? Probably. Uh, but quite honestly, I think Carl hit on a good point. You know, the competitive level of baseball um, in division one, I don't think will change a whole lot in terms of who the powers are going to be and where the strength of leagues are going to be. You know, it's going to be the the same ones as, as we always see in the ACC, SEC, Sunbelt, you know, PAC 12, warm weather areas. They're still going to get the highest level of quality players, but there'll be more more players available for those mid-range programs and lower level, more opportunities. That's the way I look at it.
2: And that would would be a good – I mean, college isn't for everybody. Let's be honest. Some of these kids don't have any interest in going to college. But by and large, I think if I'm a pro guy, and the Rockies did this a couple years ago – their entire draft was college guys because you're getting closer to a finished product when you draft a college kid. And I think most organizations would prefer these guys. They draft high school kids because they're afraid someone else is going to grab them and they won't get them. And, but those kids are going to spend seven years in the minor leagues as opposed to getting a college kid, you know, who might spend a couple years in the minor leagues and be, be much more ready to participate and help you sooner. So I think, Everybody would be happy, I think, if more kids chose to go to college. Owners wouldn't have to pay these meager salaries they pay in the low minors, and they get more finished, closer to finished products, Carl. I'd like to think the enhancement of college baseball will be good for everybody.
1: No, I, I again, I think that, the, you know, we've talked about this before, about what is the future of college basketball, what's the future of, of college football, mm-hmm. and today we're, we're talking about the, the future of of college baseball, with all those other, you know, from NIL to transfer to right. uh, to pay for play to whether or not you know there becomes a professional piece within college and what do the other universities do now? Uh, we've heard again some of the the gloom and doomers talk about you know if if this goes in the direction of pay for play and and universities are going to be forced into paying football. And men's and women's basketball. You know what then happens to to baseball outside of those conferences that that can afford it. And when schools and again, will they be a casualty that they're going to keep football and they're going to keep basketball? But what else are they going to have in their Mm -hmm. intercollegiate level? And you know we've seen some some athletic directors, some commissioners who are predicting you know that we're headed towards you know club sport, except for those those high profile, you know, sports that we just talked about. Yep. And, and, you know, when you think about, you know, the rest of the, you know, the higher education throughout the world, you know, the U S is the only nation in the, in the world, outside of maybe a few universities in Canada, maybe a couple in Mexico that even have an intercollegiate athletic program yep, and, and higher ed, <clears throat> higher ed in general is, you know, is in jeopardy mm-hmm. of, of having to change, you know, change its model, and and you know, again, it's hard to forecast five years, ten years. We can't we can't forecast a year right now in yeah. terms of what uh, what Jeff's uh, former colleagues are trying to figure out today.
2: Hey Jeff, um, you mentioned Northern Colorado. You said they in Northern Colorado. They were a member of the WAC while you were there. They've left the WAC now, presumably. I'm told basically for travel reasons. It, it was WAC being becoming geographically expansive, and they wanted to down. Northern Colorado has a rich history in baseball. There's only a dozen schools across the country who've been to more college World Series in Northern Colorado. Unfortunately for them, the last one was 1974, I believe. So it's been a long drought. Do you ever see, see a school like Northern Colorado ever becoming powerful in baseball again? I mean, obviously, their scholarships are way down compared to everybody else. They, they don't have the money, Title IX reasons or whatever. They don't have the money to spend on scholarships that some other schools do. But could a Northern Colorado with that rich tradition, that good baseball community of Greeley, Colorado ever become a power in baseball again? Okay,
0: thank you. Thank you. It depends on how you define power can it become a strong <clears throat> program yes but it takes a commitment on uh, commitment and money as we all know
2: right.
0: um, and scholarship numbers and not just not just there uh, but in other amenities uh, you know facility locker rooms training facilities you know that type of thing I, I think they can be uh, become a, a a strong program the schools like northern Colorado but to contend on an, on a national basis uh, with the secs of the world and perhaps yeah. you know the pac-12s and acc schools that's going to be the exception by far rather than the rule
2: yeah that that makes all the sense in the world it's just you know it-
0: and when you when you, when you mention that uh a couple of schools jump out that
1: that have become powers oregon state probably the most the most yep. uh, relevant right now in terms of being able to you know to, to win a college world series you know whatever whatever oregon state did that you know that uh you know that uh that model, recipe yeah. that recipe that model now it it had a lot of outside revenue you right. know coming towards it um university of washington made a a major commitment to it and and they got to omaha a couple of years ago but some of the other you know programs you know washington state program that that one time was the best program outside of the california and arizona schools in the pac12 gonzaga you know, it's has Vegas yeah. shifted its priorities from baseball to basketball, and I think the answer is probably probably yes. And yeah. baseball has suffered from it. But uh, you know, then you know, you start just looking at the geography. Big Ten schools that you know that that used to never make it to Omaha, you know, mm-hmm. are now you know to the yep. point where they're they're <clears throat> able to compete. So we're seeing some outliers. But I i I don't know. Coastal Carolina may be the last, you know, the last non-Power 5 program to, you know, to, to maybe win a College World mm-hmm. Series. I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent, you know, for the sport. But I, I think that, that again, you know, when when the powers to be on a university campus or within a conference start trying to decide, okay, what what do we have to do to be able to compete in these other sports? And what, mm-hmm. what, what sports are we going to sacrifice?
0: All right. I do worry. Yep. Now I think that's very valid, Carl. I, yeah. I would agree with that totally.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. It's hard. You can't argue with some that stuff. So, Baseball is not the only sport in this circumstance. Obviously, I mentioned Stanford earlier dropped uh, because of COVID. I think eleven or fourteen sports, rowing, stuff like that. Jeff, are 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 you worried that too many schools are taking that route? Um, maybe they don't have a choice. Maybe they just have to do what Carl just talked about: cut sports back, sacrifice one to build up the other. Is that? Are we going to see more and more of
0: that? Yeah, to answer your question specifically, yeah, it, it worries me. Uh, the entire collegiate environment worries me right now. It's not just, uh, you know, schools at the WAC level or the or the different Division I conferences that are below some of the larger ones. But the entire track of intercollegiate athletics today, you know, and it encompasses everything we've just talked about, mm-hmm. NIL, yep. uh, right at the top of the list, pay for play. Yep. And define that any way you want to, but NIL is pretty much the, that's what it yep. is. Yep. Um. And whether whether student athletes are employees of universities or not, how that impacts uh, universities in general and where funding is going to come from. And now you have the, you know, some of these uh, these pop up firms right now that are dealing in the NIL mm-hmm. area that are generating unbelievable amounts of money to to assist some of these universities with with NIL programs and yep. where that's all headed. Now, I don't know where it's headed, but to be honest with you, I don't like the direction it's going. I don't know where it's going to end up. I'm not sure anybody knows where it's going to end up, but um, I think my my the end of my tenure, at least from my standpoint, probably came at a good time.
2: <laughs> uh, well, Tom McMillan got, was with it. Tom McMillan out,
0: and I got out before having to deal
1: with COVID <laughs> and, and any of this, so. Uh, uh. I feel lucky that I got out earlier than Jeff did. So,
2: Tom McMillan was on with us last week, and he said that um, we were talking about the Olympics. He was an Olympian, of course, that the Olympic effort, which we we're watching now, the Winter Olympics, are very kind of mundane, I guess is the best word for it. The Olympic effort, our, the country countrywide, is suffering because the Olympic sports are being cut back at the college level, and the training's not there. Um, and that seems to be a disturbing trend, do you think, the stumbles in the Olympics might spur some people to say, you know, remember back when George Steinbrenner decided to get involved with the summer Olympic program. So this was not acceptable. And he started putting money into the summer Olympics. Will somebody step up and help these non-revenue college sports um, thrive so that we can be more successful internationally? Is that a big uh, ask? Too big of an ask.
0: Well, I, hard question to answer. I, you know, my, uh, you two may have a different viewpoint than I do. I, I don't think there's a, necessarily a strong correlation between the two Uh, there are so many you know economic pressures and and economic issues just at the collegiate level and with the programs they do have in order to keep them i I just don't know that those two are necessarily um even though it seems they might be i I don't know that they're necessarily intertwined
1: i don't think the winter olympics i mean the, the number of olympians who played some type or competed in some type of NCAA or collegiate sport, whether it was skiing or, or, or hockey Uh, and hockey may be the, the one collegiate sport that has produced the most Olympians. But I, I think on the summer with the, the track and field, the number of track and field Olympians who are connected with the, with the university and the number of swimmers that those two sports uh, are probably, uh impacted and and there may be a correlation again just my probably more from what i read and hear about the track and field community and the track and field coaches association and the the swimming and diving and maybe they're they're exaggerating it jeff to the point that they say well you can't cut track and field because if you cut track and field our olympic movement is going to be you know impacted Mm -hmm. significantly you can't cut swimming and those are sports that, you know, that that over the course of the last twenty-five years, you know, the the over the overall number of track and field athletes in in the college, you know, has you know has dwindled, in, in the number of of track and field programs across the country that have been cut. Uh, swimming and diving programs have been cut as well. So wrestling programs, uh, you know, that you know Jeff and I saw, you know, what uh, what the the when they dropped wrestling at at Fresno State, you know, what that does to a, to a university Drop wrestling at Boise State, what that, you know, what that does. So, you know, getting back to the college piece, and this is, I think this is just one to, to throw out there, when you look at the state of Colorado, and, and that, and if you eliminate Air Force as a, as a non-public university in the state, you know, that, that the college baseball that's being played at the Division I level, the only one that's left, you know, is northern Colorado. Mm-hmm. And yet Metro State, as we talked at the beginning, Metro State is playing baseball. Mm-hmm. I think CSU Pueblo plays, uh, the Fort Lewises and the and the Mesa States, I think, are still playing. Colorado so, Mesa, Colorado uh, Mesa is a great, Very
0: good program. Colorado Mesa Zenes. I mean, yeah, school, is good. the mines
1: are playing. Yeah. So I mean, oh. so right here in Denver, right here in Denver, we've got the Colorado School Mines and Metro State Reg- Regis. that are playing Regis is playing Regis, yeah. Division Two. So why isn't the University of Colorado playing baseball? No. Mark,
2: that's a Title IX issue, and you, they, you know, they. You can hey I, money, I know, money,
1: money can overcome Title IX.
2: I think Colorado doesn't have any money. University of Colorado doesn't have any <laughs> money, and they don't have a facility. And um, they're paying for their facilities. CSU's the same way, paying for the facilities they've already built. The revenue thing that's going to generate more revenue. I think at some point, and it's just me spitballing here, but at some point the Pac-12 is going to force the issue with CU and say, listen, we got 11 baseball schools. We need a 12th to balance the schedules out and all that. I don't know the Mountain West is ever going to force Colorado State to, to bring back baseball. Again, you'd have to build a brand-new facility. They have none. So uh, that that's a – I don't know. That's that's a, obviously a burr under my saddle, but I'll just have to live <laughs> with it for now. Um, Jeff, you, you mentioned Northern Colorado. I mentioned they'd left the WAC while you were – they moved for, for geography reasons. Uh, and we've talked a lot on this program about geography, about the need. You know, Ron Hunter was on a couple of weeks ago complaining about the, the expanse of, 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 um, of conferences, that the rivalries are, are gone because you have teams on different parts, way different parts of the country in the same divisions, all that. Uh, the WAC has going that direction, has been going that direction for a while is that a Do you think that's a good or a bad thing for all this expansion, this geographic expansion, not just numbers but just space footprints, whatever you want to call it?
0: Well, expansion occurs for a number of reasons, as as we all know, and and you know sometimes it's to strengthen your league in a particular sport or sports, and sometimes it's to survive. And geography plays a role in 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 both in both of those areas. So the WAC recently what what it's tried to do is is compact its geography somewhat and by adding. Five schools in in the state of Texas uh, by adding another in the state of Utah, Um, so we've been able to, you know, make it uh, somewhat more economically feasible from a travel standpoint. But you know, just it, it, it depends. Also, this may be obvious, but the part of the country you're in, in the western part of the United States, you know, your opportunities are are much more limited in terms of institutions that you're gonna. You know, try to try to recruit or try to go after to right. create a conference, but um, you know it's just a it's just the way of the world is today in intercollegiate athletics. It's not just one or two conferences. Uh, it's a uh, it's survival of the fittest and eat or be eaten. And in some, in many cases, you have to uh, you have to increase your membership to protect against um, um, you know outside interference and outside uh, predators. I guess for your, for your yeah. old schools.
2: Do you, um, do you lament the loss of ra- storied rivalries or is that just a collateral damage we ought to accept?
0: No, I think, uh, sure you do. I, I mean, it's, uh, uh, but you, you know, the WAC, even from you know when I came first in 1985 for the conference, it was still expansive geographically. Now it did yeah. have rivalries because of the, front, the three front range schools and BYU, New Utah County. and some others, but geographically it was still fairly well spread out. But natural rival, rivalries uh, are always better than not having them, and it allows a conference to and conference fans to, you know, become more of a conference fan rather than just uh institution, and it allows you know from a recognition, media coverage, all the things to go with it. But sometimes geography is just a, it's just you know the way it, the way it is, and and you have to you have to live with you know with uh, whatever circumstances might be there.
1: I like think Jeff, uh, the WAC offices uh,
0: have been in Denver since 19
1: early 80s, I believe, oh, yeah. perhaps, and in uh, Denver, and and it always made sense uh, for for Denver being the the major city, you know, in the in the Rocky Mountain region, mm-hmm. and that even though there were there were California schools in the early 90s, you know, the 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 heyday, so to speak with, with Arizona, Arizona state, uh, you just came right up the, 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 Rockies and, and you got the entire WAC footprint and it expanded into, into California and it went to Hawaii. And then in 1996, it obviously blew up in terms of, of into Texas and, and, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, and you mentioned the five in Texas. Now you look at, you look at the members and you look at the geography, uh, is it safe to say that the WAC has now become a Texas-based conference?
0: Yeah, I think it, I don't know Texas-based necessarily, but certainly um, uh, Texas-centric, I guess, would be the way, way yeah. the way I would put it. Um, it just depends on you know, what happens in a couple, two three years down the road. But you look at the WAC today, with uh, and especially in, in another year when they had another what, another Texas school. Um, but it's basically a you know spreads across the southern southwestern United States, and in California there's only really one outlier. Uh, and that would be Seattle University. When I say mm-hmm. outlier, I mean outlier geographically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago State leaves after this year, so that that element is gone. But um, you know it's still a still a uh, conference that I uh, think think from a name standpoint carries a lot of cachet. Uh, but ultimately, and we all know this, that this is a very volatile environment in, in, in terms of movement. And it's, you know, you can hardly pick up a, a well, I was going to say a newspaper. I guess that just dates. Yeah, not to, anymore. Not online anymore. <laughs> and you start reading about what's going on. And it seems like there's there's movement every month from one conference, mm-hmm. whether it's you know out in the West or the middle of the country or out in the East, it just continues to evolve, continues to go on.
1: You know, people are surprised when, uh when they'll they'll ask me so where are the WAC headquarters these days and and I you know I say still here in Denver and people are surprised and and uh you know the the headquarters are you know I think we moved into those offices in the summer of 1995 Jeff at the intersection of Arapahoe and I-25 and there was a monument uh, out there right mm-hmm. off the interstate that you know that hundreds of thousands of cars would see every day and I remember, you know, daughter Jessica would would uh, drive with me down I-25, and we passed the monument. And and uh, her comment was because it was what people would say: the Whack offices are still in Denver, and uh, <laughs> and it you know they've remained here despite that geographic uh, chance. I mean, I I kept it here, you know, for personal reasons uh, between 1998 and 2012, and you kept it here obviously for. For personal reasons, uh, beginning in 2012, uh, are we coming to a time? Do you think that uh, that the that the WAC may may
0: depart Denver? Yeah, as much as I hate to say say so, I think that it, it time is probably approaching. Um, it's not just the fact that um, you know the conference geography geography obviously has changed, and and there are some there's been some discussion in the league about you know that Texas might be the a logical place for the conference you could argue that phoenix could be too or or maybe a salt lake city even in terms of geographic location but i yeah i do think so carl I, you know i long run does it does it make a huge difference from what the conference is able to accomplish you know i i think that's probably debatable but i don't think there's i, I don't think it's um i think it's just a matter of time before that uh, that sign on i-25 won't be there any longer
2: they might want to yeah. talk to the, to the big, some of the former Big Twelve schools before they make that decision to move everything, make it Texas centric, all the way. That didn't work out too well for the Big Twelve. Hey Jeff, uh, we got to wrap it up here real quick. We really appreciate you joining us. Tell us what's next for you now you're retired. I know you're gonna have coffee with this guy, and he, you're gonna let him take your money on the golf course probably a few <laughs> times. But what else you got going on? You're gonna be a consultant well, somewhere. You got a lot of off, lot to offer.
0: You know, I, I <laughs> what I'm doing and what I'm trying to, and I've been doing this for a while. I work with the. Um, the South Suburban Parks and Recreation Department okay. uh, with some of their youth programs and both from an officiating standpoint and working Ooh. with some of their programs. I've been doing that for a while um, and I could, I'm going to expand a little bit on that but I, to be honest, I don't have a huge desire to be a consultant. Uh, you know, if someone asks me a question, I'll certainly answer it but I, I think it's time uh, to spend a little more from a family standpoint and I have kids scattered all over the country now Um, and my wife and I have some, uh, some business here and some some rental properties. So just, just a different, uh, different phase of my life. I could, I could start practicing golf day (laughs) and practice every day from sun, sunrise to sunset and Carl would still take my money. Oh, of course. Of course. (laughs) So, uh, one one last,
1: one last, one last (laughs) thing, Mark, I hope we won't run out of gas on this one, but this is, this is, I, I dreamt. I dreamt that this happened here recently, that that the WAC sold its name to the Mountain West for millions of dollars, because if you look at the WAC membership today, every member, excuse me, if you look at the Mountain West membership today, every member of the Mountain West Conference was once in the WAC yeah. with, well, with you and me, Jeff. So Well,
2: you never know.
1: Hey, That's anything's possible in this, everything's
2: possible in this landscape. We know that for sure. And, and hey, then
1: Jeff, you were going to get a cut of that, uh, yeah. those millions of
0: dollars. There you
2: go. And you for golf yeah. lessons.
0: For, yeah, I, for I golf obviously lessons. didn't, uh, I dropped the ball on that one. Yes, you did. should have started on that a few years uh.
2: ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jeff, we really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you out at Coors Field. I'm, I'm confident we'll have baseball. Tell your daughter to get off the ledge. We'll have baseball <laughs> uh, eventually at Coors Field and elsewhere. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks yeah, again for joining good, us. Mark. Appreciate it. Appreciate well,
0: it. Thanks, Jeff. See you. Bye. Yeah.
2: Bye. Carl, I know you're not going to do a thumbs up, thumbs down this week, but we got to give a thumbs up to Jeff. we got to give a thumbs up to uh, to uh, college baseball getting started this weekend, even though it's not starting at either of, all, either of our alma maters.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Carl. All right.
2: Bye. Thanks for joining us. That's Knutson and the Commissions for this week. Stay with us uh, next week right here, same channel. We'll look forward to seeing you.